0: This is Dr. Ronald Hoffman. As you know, I'm a big proponent of CBD to tonify the endocannabinoid system. I've found that it helps people relax and can support restful sleep, a real breakthrough in herbal products. The CBD brand I take personally and recommend to my patients is Plus CBD from CV Sciences. And now I'm excited about a new natural wellness line from Plus CBD. CBD Calm and CBD Sleep. Hoffman and use coupon code Hoffman30 for 30% off. That's pluscbdoil.com/slash Hoffman. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and today We're going to take a deep dive on the subject of a blood test called hemoglobin A1c. There's a lot of buzz about hemoglobin A1c. Some say it is the most important blood test that you can undertake, uh, that it has a lot of predictive value in terms of your risk of disease and your risk of dying. And the goal is to optimize your hemoglobin A1c. Uh, But recently, one of our listeners sent us uh, an email, by the way, you can send emails to radioprogram at AOL.com with your questions. And basically, what she said, if I can paraphrase, is that uh, she has been endeavoring to lower her hemoglobin A1C to keep it uh, within the low five range. We'll talk a little bit about what the ranges are in just a few moments. Uh, but recently, she read that the powers that be, uh, the American College of Physicians, decreed that it was okay for folks to have a hemoglobin A1c that was 7 to 8. So she facetiously wrote, does that mean I can put the feed bag on again and have a cheesecake and pizza and soda? And uh, so uh, let's do a little bit of a deep dive on the subject and uh, talk about hemoglobin A1c. Uh, first of all, you know, what's she referring to? Well, indeed, there is a guidance statement from the prestigious American College of Physicians that came out this year in March of 2018. And basically what they said was that, quote, clinicians should aim to achieve a hemoglobin A1C level between 7 and 8 in most patients with type 2 diabetes. And... I'm going to highlight the last part of that sentence, underline, in Dr. Ebel quotes, with type 2 diabetes. And that's really the discriminator here, because if you have diabetes, it's a different ballgame than if you are a normal person trying to optimize. Uh, However, patients with diabetes can also go for the gold and try and optimize their hemoglobin A1c Uh, especially if they're type 2 diabetics. But according to one of my good colleagues who we'll talk about in just a few moments, Dr. Uh, Richard Bernstein, uh, you can achieve remarkable lowering of hemoglobin A1c, even if you're type 1 diabetic. And so there's no need to resign yourself to a less than optimal hemoglobin A1c. Uh, To quote a couple of luminaries, First of all, the aforementioned uh, Dr. Richard Bernstein, uh, he's written a book called Dr. Bernstein's Diabetes Solution, which is uh, very popular. And by way of a little background, uh, Dr. Bernstein is a former fellow medical student uh, of mine when I was at Albert Einstein College of Medicine. uh, He, at the time, was the oldest medical student in the class. I was a little older because I went out and worked for a couple of years. So I uh, entered medical school at about 25. Uh, he uh, was, well, I don't know, maybe he was even pushing 40 when he was in medical school. It's very unusual. Uh, but he had a special uh, entree into medical school because uh, he was a type 1 diabetic uh, who had a previous career developing uh, some of the finger stick technology that we now uh, commonly feel we take it for granted. Uh, It's ubiquitous, but he was uh, an engineer in a prior incarnation and developed that uh, technique of doing finger sticks uh, to determine blood sugar. And indeed during uh, medical school, he was a constant presence uh, sticking, you know, a little lancet into his finger, putting in a little device, uh, checking his blood sugar levels, and then uh, injecting himself with a corresponding amount of uh, insulin. And in fact, uh, we at the time, Uh, were adversaries, well, friendly adversaries, uh, in a debate about the merits of low-carb diets. Uh, He uh, took the position that we should minimize our carbohydrates uh, and that meat and fat were okay. And at the time, I was a vegan, a macrobiotic vegan, subsisting on brown rice and uh, soybeans and tofu and uh, whole grains. uh, And... uh, He uh, took a different position, and it turns out that uh, I think history vindicated him. Uh, This was about uh, 40 years ago when ultra-low-fat diets were popular. Uh, But uh, his belief, and I'm quoting from his book, uh, Dr. Bernstein's Diabetes Solution, for my patients, a truly normal hemoglobin A1C ranges from 4.2% to 4.6%. Mine is consistently 4.5% which is darn near a miracle for a type 1 diabetic. Uh, Most type 1 diabetics uh, have a lot of trouble getting their hemoglobin A1c below 7. Uh, So, uh, also, another luminary in the field, my good colleague, Dr. David Perlmutter, who we interviewed frequently here on Intelligent Medicine, who I have a great deal of respect for, writes, quote, Most commonly, people are told that having an A1c of 5.6 to 5.8 should be considered normal. But these levels already put you in the second highest category for brain shrinkage. I believe that based on this information, we should strive to keep our A1c at 5.2 or even lower. And uh, this uh, he elaborates on in Grain Brain, uh, where he advocates for a low-carb diet. And also, he talks about the adverse effects of uh, gluten on the brain. That's a, a separate issue from blood sugar. So how do we reconcile these contradictory statements? So why do the latest medical guidelines call, us for, call for an easing of the hemoglobin A1C goals when these respected clinicians argue for aggressive blood sugar lowering? Well, let's so first of all, define hemoglobin A1C uh, in contrast to glucose. You know, when you get a regular blood test, a chemistry, you'll get a glucose. Or when you do a finger stick, you'll do a glucose. But it only measures blood sugar at a given point in time, instantaneously, And that does not give you a complete uh, snapshot because um, you might be uh, very uh, virtuous. You might have consumed uh, a very low carb meal or you might uh, do it fasting and your blood sugar seems pretty good. Uh, But it's not catching the times when your blood sugar is through the roof uh, at other times uh, after uh, a meal that may send your blood sugar skyrocketing. Or perhaps under a condition of stress that it can also raise blood sugar. Uh, in contrast, a hemoglobin A1C measures average glucose over an interval of three to four months. Now you may say, well, why, why isn't it uh, you know in a number that's high double digits or low triple digits like sugar? Well, it's actually um, it's a measure of the percentage of a type of hemoglobin in your blood. Hemoglobin is the protein in your blood that carries oxygen. And uh, hemoglobin uh, gets glycosylated in the presence of sugar. Uh, this is um, this test is taking advantage of a harmful consequence of blood sugar on the body's proteins. Uh, not just hemoglobin, but all the proteins in your body are exposed to sugar. And over time... Uh, they can become glycated. Uh, They literally cook in a low temperature version of something called caramelization. Caramelization, for those of you who are familiar with uh, culinary science, uh, is a process by which proteins in foods brown when uh, combined with sugar. So, you know, if you want to make a nice marinade, Uh, For your spare ribs, you know, you may include something like uh, molasses uh, or any type of sugar. That, under conditions of heat, uh, will cause a nice browning reaction. Uh, But, you know, when it comes to food, uh, that's tasty. But when it comes to uh, your eyes, your brain, your heart, your arterial walls, uh, all the organs of your body, uh, that is not a good thing. It subjects all our organs to degenerative stress and it accelerates uh, aging. Uh, so, uh, we take advantage of the fact that our blood is easily accessible via venipuncture to take an assay of how the proteins in our body are being glycated or glycosylated in uh, in relation to their exposure to sugar in our bloodstream. And... Um, Uh, So this uh, process also is a process that affects our skin. Uh, More rapid skin aging uh, is associated with glycation. So uh, there there are more consequences than just a high blood sugar uh, to uh, all the organs in our body. And the hemoglobin A1c reflects that. Now, red blood cells have a lifespan of 120 days. So that's the value of the hemoglobin A1c. When you look at the hemoglobin that's glycated in the blood, uh, you get a record of what's happening on average over the last three or four months. Okay, folks, at this point, we usually allow our sponsors an opportunity to share a message with you. So here goes. Listen up. If chocolate is your weakness... and beverages deliver five to nine times the flavanols of typical dark chocolate. Their secret is sourcing premium, high-flavanol cocoa beans and processing them naturally. The result is decadent dark chocolate with the flavanol levels needed to fuel brain and cardio performance. I use it every day. For more information and to order, just go to FlavaNaturals.com. That's FlavaNaturals.com. Thanks for listening and thanks for supporting our sponsors. They're what make Intelligent Medicine a continuing free resource to you. And now back to our discussion about hemoglobin A1c. Uh, Let's say that uh, you're going to see Dr. Hoffman uh, at the end of uh, uh, the month of uh, uh, October. And uh, you uh, decide uh, that, you know, after the summer in which... You've indulged in, well, you know, kind of a hedonistic lifestyle. Maybe you had too much uh, pizza or pina coladas on summer vacation, uh, too much in the way of uh, delicious fruit and watermelon. Uh, maybe uh, you know some uh, ice cream or gelato, and then after Labor Day, you decide to get religion, and uh, in preparation for your appointment uh, in October, and uh, so. What's going to happen is that to some extent, uh, your blood sugar on average will be skewed by your experience during the summer, which is within that span of 120 days. And uh, your results uh, may not reflect your virtuous behavior, uh, which you embarked on after uh, Labor Day uh, when you got back down to brass tacks and started to follow a healthier diet program. So, uh, you know, if you're thinking, uh, you know, that it's a test where you got to be good the week before or make sure you're fasting before the test, unlike glucose, that's not going to really uh, affect the hemoglobin A1C that much. I mean, yes, it's weighted, so, you know, a month or two of virtuous behavior will bring that number down, Uh, but the um, uh, profligate eating that you undertook uh, during the you know the prior months uh, may still pull that hemoglobin a one c upwards so um, since it's an average what hemoglobin a one c can't tell you is how much your blood sugars fluctuate or bounce around and so and that's useful because um say uh, someone has uh Uh, A hemoglobin A1c that's not so great, Um, it's uh, 7 and that's considered in the diabetic range. Let's review uh, what the uh, ranges are. Uh, Generally 5 to 5.6 or 7 is considered uh, normal. Uh, Of course Dr. Perlmutter and Dr. Uh, Bernstein would insist on a lower hemoglobin A1c but I'm talking about for general practice and what you'll see on lab ranges. Uh, 5.8 uh, to 6.2 or even up to 6.4 is considered borderline and is indicative of prediabetes. And above 6.2 or 6.4 is considered uh, fully in the range of diabetics. So coming back to our example, uh, a 7, not so great. Uh, but um, what's actually going on there? It's actually an average. So if you want to find out if your blood sugars are bouncing around a lot, And indeed, uh, some uh, diabetics uh, have a problem. They're using medication, especially insulin, which drops their blood sugar ultra low at times. And at times it's very high, but it might average uh, seven. So two people with a seven uh, might have a very different pattern of blood sugars. Uh, One person might have blood sugars that uh, range in the low hundreds and fairly consistent, and others may have blood sugars that jump into the uh, 200s and 300s uh, from time to time, uh, but it still averages out to seven. There's a test that can help delineate that. It's called the Glycomark test G L Y C O M A R K. It's a relatively new test. It's particularly useful to find out if diabetic patients taking medication are ranging too high. And too low. It's a little less valuable for patients who have uh, good hemoglobin A1Cs because, you know, if it's good, it's good. Um, Another test that sheds light on the hemoglobin A1C uh, is the C peptide test. Now, let's say you're someone who's going to the doctor and you're monitoring your hemoglobin A1C and you start out with a hemoglobin A1C. Uh, A couple years ago, it's 5.8. And the next time you go to the doctor, it's 6.0. The next time you go to the doctor, it's uh, 6.3. And uh, the next time you go to the doctor, it's 6.5. And the doctor informs you that, "Uh uh-oh, you are going diabetic. Uh, Unfortunately, a lot of doctors wait too long uh, before they uh, warn patients about that, more on that later. Um, If a person's hemoglobin A1C is drifting upward... Uh, there are two possible causes. Uh, the most common cause is what's called insulin resistance, where the body is making too much insulin in a futile attempt to regulate uh, blood sugar. But because of resistance in the fat cells and in the body and the, you know, in the receptors for insulin, um, there's a, a need for higher and higher and higher levels of insulin. On the other hand, um, there are some people where the progressive increases in the hemoglobin A1C indicate a failure to produce enough insulin, and uh, that's more what happens in type 1 diabetes or insulin-dependent diabetes. And uh, this actually uh, helps us uh, determine what medications are best for patients, Uh, Sometimes patients do require insulin. Uh, Type 2 diabetics, the insulin-resistant patients, respond really well to very low-carb diets and exercise. Type 1 patients also respond to diet and exercise, but they ultimately require uh, insulin, at least to some degree. Uh, They can't go off uh, insulin. So that's the C-peptide test. It can be used as a tiebreaker to determine the cause of rising glucoses. So, um, in terms of um, uh, fasting uh, uh, glucose, fasting glucose is not the greatest way to determine whether a person's becoming diabetic. I think hemoglobin A1c is really the best test. But uh, if your fasting glucoses are consistently uh, over uh, 90 Uh, consider pre-diabetes, get the hemoglobin A1c test. Um, And if uh, there's over 100, you know, definitely you have to have a high suspicion that you're progressing towards diabetes if you're truly fasting. Um, The read-upon cutoff for suspicion of diabetes in conventional medicine is a 90-minute post-meal glucose of 140 uh, or less. Now, When you have a hemoglobin A1C that's borderline, sometimes it's useful to get out a glucometer. You know, you can obtain them cheaply at drugstores and start finger-sticking and start analyzing your response to meals. Uh, I recently um, wrote uh, an article uh, with a family member who's pregnant who was told that she was borderline gestational diabetic. She got a glucometer and she started analyzing her responses to foods. And with a month or so, she really, really controlled her blood sugars such that they were almost always normal. And she got uh, a really great report card from her OBGYN saying, you know, you're doing great. Whatever you're doing, keep it up because you're controlling your blood sugars now. Um, Many of my patients complain uh, that their doctors don't bother warning them about a hemoglobin A1C, let's say 5.8 or... uh, 5.9 or even 6.1 because they're simply because they're older and the threshold of old is not that old. They might be 55 or 62 and doctors just don't say anything about it. But that's because doctors are so used to uh, deteriorating uh, hemoglobin A1Cs in their patients as they age that they almost think it's inevitable. But it's not good. And it is not something that has to happen. Uh, It's just a product of slowing down uh, and eating too much and usually putting on too much weight. And uh, it should be addressed. And even before you're diabetic, because when you're diabetic, then the doctors want to pile on medications. But it's best to take a preemptive approach. And uh, it should be addressed. Uh, when you're ranging into the high fives and you cross the threshold of six, even without diabetes, because one of the most important um, prognostic values of hemoglobin A1C is that it is a very, very strong harbinger of cardiometabolic syndrome, which is insulin resistance, um, syndrome X, variously known as metabolic syndrome. That's the leading pathway to strokes and heart attacks, Uh, bar none. This is, I think, trumps uh, cholesterol and triglycerides and LDL and all the commonly agreed upon risk factors. Uh, A borderline hemoglobin A1C uh, is um, a precursor to many degenerative conditions like Alzheimer's, as Dr. Perlmutter points out in the quote that I read earlier, but other degenerative conditions like osteoarthritis and osteoporosis, and even cancer risk has been linked to elevated hemoglobin A1c, even in the absence of overt diabetes. So you have a hemoglobin A1c of 6.2. Well, you know, maybe that's not formally diabetes. That's considered pre-diabetes or even 6.0 or 5.9 you're still going to experience a higher risk of uh, most cancers, uh, especially uh, cancers like prostate cancer and breast cancer. Uh, these are often associated with insulin resistance. High levels of insulin um, have a uh, growth-promoting effect on certain hormonal cancers, but also uh, pancreatic cancer, very much associated with the borderline even borderline hemoglobin A1c. So um, at this point, uh, let's pause because we divide these podcasts into two parts. And we'll talk a little bit more about uh, the hemoglobin A1c test. Is it foolproof? Does it always provide a clear delineation of your blood sugar control? Well, listen to part two to find out.